Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the weekly podcast from the marketing minds at doyouconvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try to elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, as always, is the ad doctor, Andrew Peak. All right. Great intro. I love it. For me, this has been a weird week. I'm sure clients have seen it on their end. Both Facebook and Google, their reps, they try to oh they disguise goodness. themselves as you know account strategists and all this to give you assistance, but really they're they're there to help you spend more money more effectively, but really it's spend more money, spend more money. They are going crazy, going after every client account to help out. It's really like two or three times a day, email and phone calls. It is, it is insane. So I'm sure if I'm getting it, I'm sure all of y'all are also getting it as well. So I wish yep. you the best. If you have <laughs> to schedule a call with them, you know, to try to get them off your back, because they're persistent. I'm sure they have some type of commission, some type of something that they're uh -huh. working so hard to get that. Um, just, I just, I, I guess just get the call over with. And well, then they'll be, they'll what be I, on do, their way. do what I did, answer the call and then say, you know what? Who's really in charge of that? The person mm -hmm. you really need to talk to? It's Andrew. He's the ad doctor. Talk <laughs> like, to Andrew. Oh, do you have his phone number? I do. Does that mean you're going to keep calling him? Yes. Okay. Yes. So just that's funny. come up with a uh, fictitious person and say yeah. they're in charge. Please call them. Get them mm -hmm. off your case. That's what I say. But obviously, I think they're doing that because of all the fear around you know, I think a lot so. of things have changed. Mm -hmm. GDPR. Some of the news articles we're going to talk about in terms of shifting ad spend away from different digital. But yeah, they're out in force. They right are now. out. Oh, you know what? I do have one small talk. Uh, this will probably be the last time that I, I'll talk about it. But, you know, the the uh, volcano erupted in Guatemala where we just were two weeks ago, yeah, which was I saw that insane. Video. I have mm -hmm. pictures on my cell phone of me taking pictures of that volcano. Um, and a lot of times they get some warning before these major eruptions happen. This time, apparently there was none. Oh, wow. Um, death toll up to 80 probably um they have Jeez. no idea how many people live in these villages so it's probably mm -hmm. well into the hundreds i'm sure um i mean they, they just have no census capability at all so um we will put a link in the show notes if you want to um, help the people who have been hurt by the hurricane there's lots of people asking for money but we just you know one of the key things is make sure you're giving it to an organization that you know um, is going to not pocket the money that it's going to use it efficiently and so mm -hmm. Um, the organization that that I've gotten to know, um, we'll put a link there that you can you can go uh, support that cause. But yeah, let's shift into story time. We've got a great guest. Uh, we've got some good articles. This is going to be this is going to be a fun one. Um, it is. Andrew, go ahead. Lead us into. Some yeah, stories. I'll go ahead. So I am like the perfect person to advertise to on Facebook because I'm I'm in this great end market audience all the time to buy a new home apparently so it's it's <laughs> I, it's good I get builder ads all the time and I'm down here uh -huh. in Tampa Bay and there's a lot of big builders actually it's primarily the big the big boys down here um which is interesting and it's even more interesting seeing like hey that's an hour and a half drive from where I live but I'm still getting the ad I don't know it's it's the dynamics of Pinellas County to Tampa Bay and Hillsborough like this area if you ever have vacation down here you might be aware of it, but people don't like to go over bridges because that adds an hour of your life. And so it's just awful. Anyways, the story is I'm on Facebook like I always am. And here we go. I see the sad. I'm like, oh, those actually look interesting. It is close to where the uh, big Crystal Lagoon new community is, which is up about an hour and a half north of me. They had Michael Phelps at the grand opening. So I have, I have this interest to follow this unique concept that is that is happening. Had the price in there. I think it was from like the, the 250s. 
Um, and I had the square foot range. I'm like, oh, that's that's really good. Like, that's a great deal. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to see what's going on. Go to the site. And I think it was actually like the 270s. Like, so it wasn't too far off, but I'm like, oh, 250s. That's like, yeah. Okay. But 270s, that's a little different buyer, which really means that's probably going to be like, ended up in the, the low threes to, to buy something. Uh-huh. And it reminded me, we need to really check our ads and our prices frequently as price updates happen on your, if you're running community specific, specific ads or submarket ads, or just like a general market ad, Hey, we're this builder and we built here and here's mm-hmm. our price range. But Kevin, do you have any advice as far as working internally with the builder? Cause I'm sure they're the person who'd be in charge of updating that price everywhere. It's, it's not like a quick and easy process. And they could be getting multiple price updates. Hey, it's this. Oh, no, actually, that's a mistake. It's actually this. And they're having to do this whole thing over and over. So what would be a Mm -hmm. good way to do that? Well, the first is actually before you get to the nuts and bolts of changing the pricing to as long as you have the street cut to have this conversation with ownership or division presidents is helping everyone understand the impact of changing prices. Not that you're crying them and saying it's going to take a long time to update all this information. Um, but just saying, hey, let's be strategic about it. So one of the things that that we'll see sometimes builders will do, um, usually smaller builders who don't know better, is they will have a price increase and they will apply that price increase across the board everywhere, as if the real world doesn't matter. As an example, you know, use small numbers so I can. But hundred thousand dollar home uh, in a great school district, and an $80,000 home in a not as good school district, applying that across the board, price, just saying every house gets $5,000 mm. isn't necessarily yeah. the right way to approach it because one may be able to absorb a different amount of that price increase than another. Um, and especially inventory homes versus to-be-built homes um, or pre-sale homes, it's important to understand that you, raising your price on an already built home doesn't necessarily make any sense either. So some of it is just having the conversation about let's be smart about it. Let's have planned price increases versus every other day increasing randomly helter skelter. Mm-hmm. But hey, can we get these things to kind of align on a certain day or or week of the month so that you know you're in that mode? Obviously, inventory prices and adjusting the market needs to be done, but just have a strategic way to do it. Um, and then in terms of getting it done, the most important thing is actually having your ads themselves organized well. You know, if you log into Facebook and you see 300 different campaigns, well, good luck trying to figure out. <laughs> Sounds awful. Hey, I just need to change the price in this one place. I, how can I find that uh, easily? So if you're just doing boosted posts and you're trying to figure out how to go back and update something, good, good luck. But if your ads are organized, then all you really need is a checklist. And because pricing always has to stay current. So you can have other tools in a spreadsheet or whiteboard or whatever else you want. But at the end of the day, if you have a structured way of rolling out those price increases. So again, it's not just every afternoon someone walks in your office and says, change community X by two grand. As long as that's not happening and you have a checklist of, okay, I need to look at AdWords. I need to look at Facebook. I need to look at Instagram, et cetera. Then you shouldn't have a tremendous issue with keeping up to date as long as the ad networks themselves are well organized by submarket, um, by division, by community, uh, in clear and identifiable ways. You really shouldn't. I mean, I just hear a lot from marketing managers and um, directors that 
you know, they'll say something like, oh, I spent a week updating pricing on the website. And you have a bad website. That's insane. That's a <laughs> long time. That's you like, know, that, to grind that out. That's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something is broken in that process and you need to rip it apart, get all the parties involved to understand it. Because, you know, when I would update pricing at Heartland, you know, we would fluctuate between 20 and 30 communities, um, Morgantown and Pittsburgh, um, two different, you know, cities. And it would take me maybe an hour, maybe an hour and a half to mm-hmm. do a price change across the board or by community and, and inventory at the most. And so again, and then if you have website Fridays, where you're able to, you know, the non-critical stuff, push that, it, it just shouldn't, it shouldn't be that hard. And wow, that this feels like a long story, um, but it's it, important. <laughs> it is the price. That's is, the, uh, yeah. the, I'd say the second quite like location and price. So mm-hmm. if you get that wrong, you're getting the wrong person on the ad. You bet. So. You bet. Definitely. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a non-negotiable. That's the last thing to say about mm-hmm. it is um, you if you want to get creative with your job, that's fine, but your pricing better be accurate first, <laughs> you know, then Definitely. get creative with an Instagram story um, or, or a Facebook live. Um, mine will I'll, I'll make shorter, but we shop at Kroger for our groceries and they have uh, home delivery. They have online ordering. Um, they have all these different great, the newest thing that they've, brought out is, you know, download an app, scan your ID card on your, on your key, key ring, and then just go scan as you shop in the store and then, and then essentially walk out, um, when you're done. Uh-huh. And that was awesome. Um, was it difficult? Have you done this? Like, it, oh, I did. It, it was, it, it was, it would be difficult for, uh, my wife, um, because there's different intricacies where if you scan something that needs to be weighed, then you have to walk was, it over yeah. to uh, a scale and then scan the scale. Mm-hmm. And then, it, and so it is not. And then I tried to buy an avocado and the sticker was wrinkled. And so I had to pick up a different avocado that I didn't really want to buy and scan that one because the sticker on my avocado wouldn't work. <laughs> um, so it's definitely not what Amazon has there. But at the end of the day, that's an example of them trying to innovate. And they did it okay. But the other thing that I've always found interesting is that, that at Kroger here, they give away a lot of little freebies, right? Like, hey, grab your kid a banana or an apple from the produce section. You know, there's a little sign. Feel free to give your kid an apple. Um, gotcha. There's free cookies all the time just sitting around. Mm-hmm. People and, and part of it is I'm sure they're trying to have a good, a good experience. You know, the people at the deli who want a free sample of turkey drive me nuts, by the way. Like, that uh, can drives I, me nuts. Why, why are we doing this? <laughs> if you, like, you already said what like, you wanted. I... Um, <laughs> It just slows down yeah. the, the whole thing, right? And so at the end of the day, I'm thinking part of the strategy that I think they have is we're giving away a lot of free things because it's that building up that experience of going to the store and I get my free cookie. Um, but at the end of the day, that's not going to protect them from an Amazon-like convenience, you know? No. And so just translating this quickly to builders and let your mind flow where it, where it will from here. You know, when you're a lot of talk and energy going around about making a great customer experience, um, it's not, I, we talk about this a lot. It's not about making these mountaintop experiences that are just going to be, I can't believe this just happened to me. It's that Amazon like convenience of less friction in the process uh, and making it as easy and as simple as possible to do business with you. And then there will be other things too. But at the end of the day, um, a, you know, a, a home builder website that I can go to and see pricing, play around with color elevation options. Uh, start to look yep. at pictures and structural options versus a home builder that has, you know, just renderings and no pricing. And I have to register. 
forget it. Um, I'm, I'm uh, sign me up for the Amazon convenience of, of that experience. So definitely we'll, we'll kind of touch will not on this. Save you. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll, they will not save you. Do the basics perfect or near perfect before you get all fancy. Yep. Moving on to the news. Um, news time. The first one is not an article that we can link to, but we can link you to where you can get this resource. It, it's originally from search engine land. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a comprehensive report of, I think 10,000 uh, different companies on um, cost per click uh, AdWords advertising, uh, search engine marketing advertising. And the most interesting thing that I'd love to to hear your take on, Andrew, to me was that on average, they found that, and this is all different kinds of of organizations and companies, not just home builders, that 35% of their spend in search engine marketing is on mobile, uh, but they're getting 45% of their results from that device type. Um, gotcha. So are people under investing in the current reality that we're just all using our phone? Is there a, is there a bias maybe you think in terms of like, well, the real, the people who are really serious go on their desktop. That's interesting. Um, so I, we have the show notes, both Kevin and I look at. And so I went and looked at all of our clients, um, mobile versus desktop spend. And here's the quick, again, when you look at any data, you need to go, okay, well, why is it that number? Um, so we don't influence desktop versus mobile um, spend on intentionally, AdWords. right? Intentionally, yeah. That that is an option when you're when you're marketing with, either with AdWords or Facebook to say. So with AdWords, you'd have a bid adjustment, a bid modifier. Say, okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to bid twenty percent more on desktop or one hundred percent less on mobile, which is effectively no bid. Um, and you could set it up and separate it and, and slice and dice however you like it. Um, so for us, we had a lot in the building space and it's also by industry. I'd imagine B2B, um, products, there's a lot more desktop search, probably significantly more than mobile, but for us on the building side, it seems like there's a lot more mobile opportunity. Uh Um, especially, I mean, Facebook is primarily mobile, but AdWords too was, it definitely outpaced AdWords, but the attribution side is interesting. Um, like you said, are the serious people are on desktop or they're on mobile, and I think an answer to that, they're on both all the time. Mm-hmm. As far as who they're, 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 they'll be on both. They'll look at it on their phone, depending on where yeah. they are. They'll look at it on their desktop. Maybe they're doing different tasks on their desktop versus mobile. Mm-hmm. And then depending on what they clicked on and when they become a lead, that attribution might favor one versus the other. Um, I'd be more inclined that people, if they're ready to have a... Um, serious conversation they might try to like for me i have three kids so i'm not going to try to call somebody when i just get home at at 5 30 whatever time and the kids are running over to me so I'd, i would do that at the office um mm-hmm. and so i think you'd have to put everything into context of when will people want to call depending on the industry for us as building well i think there is this um non-mobile bias about you know Desktop users do do tend to convert at a higher percentage than mobile visitors mm-hmm. when we look at analytics. And so some of this narrative and the story that we tell ourselves as marketers, or we tell our organizations is that the more serious people come back on a desktop. And I think that might be akin to Blockbuster telling their board of directors that they had data that people preferred walking through the store and browsing the cases of videos on the shelf. You know, they liked that experience. <laughs> my my hunch it. is that um, 
it's a frustration of not being able to have the type of experience they want on mobile that's forcing them to go to desktop. I mean, definitely. I have a definitely, definitely. I use a desktop myself every day. Mm -hmm. And so it's here in my office and I have a laptop that I use when I travel, but I don't love using it. And it is nothing. It's such a pain when I'm, you know, in bed or on the couch downstairs and I'm like, I want to be able to see this to pinch and zoom or whatever. And I can't fine. I'll go, go, I'll go upstairs on my computer when I have time or when I get an opportunity, like you said, I can, I can accomplish a lot more research with three kids running around uh, me on a mobile phone than I can leaving them to defend for themselves and going upstairs to my office and sitting down to do more research. So I just think it's interesting that, you know, 45% of the results are coming from mobile, but um, by and large companies are not adjusting their Mm -hmm. investment to account for well, does that mean if we spent 45 that we would get even? And, and they also in that report reference that the mobile clicks on average are costing significantly less because fewer people that are sense. are going after that them. That makes so. sense. And it would be interesting to see with those who do spend less on mobile, are their overall results lower? Um, so mm-hmm. like, so attribution like that, the, okay, our cost per lead is significantly more on mobile. But you take that company, number one, who says, okay, we're going to spend like nothing on mobile and put it all on desktop versus the other company says, okay, I'm not really too concerned about that because here's why I think which one ends up selling more homes, has more leads overall, but the attribution makes yep. you. So, yeah, But it's not the fault necessarily of, of the ad, right? If you mm-hmm. shift all your money to mobile, but your mobile website's a piece of garbage, yeah, then the attribution is going to be bad too. <laughs> so it's still that. that whole journey. Mm-hmm. That you have to analyze. All right, let's move on to the next one here, um, Andrew. Uh, what, oh, what do we got? This one's from DigiDay, at least the way I, that's the way I pronounce it. And this is big, long. It's, <laughs> it was actually a really interesting article about um, direct-to-consumer brands, um, which is more product, um, how they're having this experience mm-hmm. with Facebook where they're actually shifting budget, significant amount of budget, away from Facebook and into um, primarily the Omnichannel was what they're saying on here, which is like, okay, that's very vague. That's, that means everything being present everywhere, but they directly <laughs> referenced um, TV, radio, which is odd, I think. And then Ooh, as far yeah. as the only digital reference that I saw in there was talking about using more Instagram story ads, um, which I've tested. Mm-hmm. I haven't been super impressed yet. There's not that many of them, but I just haven't, for us, and you, we talk about, in the article it talks about how everybody's really competing against each other. Um, because we're competing against yep. impressions on the device. So if I'm selling to a to someone who's a, effectively 30 years old in Florida, so is someone else who's trying to sell car insurance or someone else who's trying to sell Doritos or Taco Bell, whatever else this is. It's the same person, even though they're in different in-market audiences. So they're saying this, mm-hmm. the CPM or actually the cost per person to get that impression is going up Um my counter to that is if the creative is good enough, so the ad is good enough, you're rewarded yeah. with more clicks and, and so it's just more efficient. And so if you do it well, the CPM does rise, costs do rise. But if your ads are not doing really well, then you're really you're really affected by that. But if you have great ads, it's it's yeah. not that big a deal. And it's kind of like, where else will you go? And the article it says, <laughs> um, Quote, we're building brand awareness with offline advertising, but it's hard to know who's seen a billboard or how it's performing. I'm like, oh, well, that's interesting. <laughs> you don't like Facebook because yes, it's expensive, is- but now you have no idea what's going on. Um, 
but maybe they're measuring at the end of the day, their numbers make sense doing that. For no, them. you're, you're, you're giving them no too idea. much credit. I think at the end of the day, I think I am. <laughs> if these are agencies, what they're having a hard time is they're trying to mark up media or their services. And they're saying, when we're getting paid, when we have to pay per impression, we're losing profit. If it's a company, mm-hmm. then I think it's just them trying to come up with a new narrative as to why their results are down. Because, you know, it says, um, we, the quote, that I highlighted was we spoke with 10 direct to consumer companies and all of them report their marketing mix has de-emphasized Facebook for other digital alternatives. So all of them, but seven of the 10 said they're expanding back into traditional vehicles. And the reason is that prices are getting high for audience segments and the feed has become a very cluttered space to me. Again, that goes back to, okay, so we're going to go where no one is and have it all to ourselves. Right. Is that the strategy? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's yeah, just very good spin. Yeah. It's like, well, you should go back to the newspaper on Sundays because, you know, you can get the whole page. It's very, and it's not cluttered at all. In fact, you can have the whole section. Um, yeah. Thanks. No one's looking it's there. Dis- it's discounted because there's no demand, you know, supply and it's just very, supply it's, demand. It, anyway, it was, it's interesting. This whole, um, I mean, fine. I, I hope they all leave Facebook and, and leave it for us. That's, that's fantastic. Yes. Leave it for us. All right. So, let's, you let's have great ads. Your prices will be good on there. You bet. All right. And the last one, which we will not have time to do it justice, but I'm telling you guys, if you've never clicked on a link in the show notes, go read this article because it is fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. And it's called chatbots were the next big thing that what happened basically, where, where did they go? Um, and it is a oh gosh, it, it might take you if you read it seriously, like five, minutes. 10 minutes, maybe 20 to, yes. to get through it all. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in there, but at the end of the day, what it talks about is, you know, the hype that was there at the beginning for chatbots is died away. And, and in our industry, because we're a little behind the times, it's, it's still kind of accelerating that, that hype around the, the possibilities. But at the end of the day, you know, it's not an instant quick fix to all of your problems. Uh, it doesn't change the game uh, and flip it on its head. Mike and Jen just did a Facebook Live about this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but then at the end, the quote that they referenced that I really completely agree with is, is from Bill Gates. Uh, and he said, We'll always overestimate the change that will occur in the next two years and underestimate the change that will occur in the next 10. Don't let yourself be lulled into inaction. And he's totally right. I mean, um, we're like, man, in the next two years, everything's going to be different. You know, we're going to have flying cars and we're going to have, and, and then when it doesn't happen, we're like, well, that, there was nothing there. That was all just, you know, smoke with no fire. But then all of a sudden that company that keeps working on it and perfects it and then brings it to market in 10 years, it changes everything. Definitely. And so it's kind of like, hey, there's still value in chatbots without a doubt if you apply them the right way and they will get better, they will get smarter. It's just a lot. uh, Any other thoughts that you had about that article? I just thought it was fascinating, uh, really well laid out. I think the big one, and this is getting a little more detailed on it, was that a, a lot of people try to make the chatbots be people like and have them mm-hmm. be human but we we're talking we know it's not a human and so it's kind of like there's this whole focus i i think it's part of the reason this the hype was too high and probably a lot of inefficiencies of like how much resources were wasted on trying to make this person talk just like a human instead of actually mm-hmm. being useful and solving the problem i don't know it's it's like just make it make it work and so i think with that whole thing and and there's the hype curve in there which is pretty cool if you look at that and study it, it's like, okay, now we're on this back half of it. We're like, 
the actual leaders who are going to be the leaders of chatbots are going through and making these big changes to make it actually be a product that people will use. The vast majority of us will use over the next, I don't know, say five years or 10 years. It might be. I completely agree with you. And you hit the other really important nail right on the head is this masquerading that you're a human uh, can get you in real big trouble. And one of the, you know, Jeff Turner and I um, mm -hmm. and Mike Line are going to be talking about a lot more of this at our PCBC session uh, later up in June, link in the show notes for you. Um, but, you know, Jeff Turner and I, when we were planning, we we're talking about, you know, back in the day, you know, 2006, even you, you buy an email list of 50,000 people and you spam them. Like there's a lot of annoyed people, your brand definitely, it's not helped by that at all. You may get slapped on the wrist, but generally speaking, you can survive that, you know, bad marketing tactic. If you build a chatbot or a proactive, you know, like if you try to use Google duplex in the scenario that they, that they displayed and it says, or does the wrong thing, uses personal information in a, in a, in a wrong way, like that is now a, it's a one-on-one -on -one interaction that feels very human and it's like getting slapped in the face and the damage that you will get from a, trying to apply these things too early, the wrong way and fool people could be, I mean, beyond detrimental to how you're doing it. It's not like sending a spam message out to 50,000 people that you bought a list from it. It's more personal yep. and that makes it more dangerous to do in incorrectly. Definitely. I agree. Good point. Yep. Good point. All right. Well, that, uh, that'll do it for the news. Uh, we'll take a quick break and then we're going to be back with John Lee, the founder and, and CEO of rendering house talking to us about AR VR and all things, interactive content. And, um, what we talked about the Bill Gates quote will apply. You know, you might think um, he's going too far out. It's going to be there. Uh, maybe not in the next 12 months, but, but he's at the edge of the spear, as they say, on all this stuff. Can't wait to talk to him. We'll be right back. And we're back with John Lee, CEO and founder of Rendering House. Uh, simply put, um, the best rendering uh, AR, VR, and interactive media company. I don't know what, there's probably a better elevator pitch uh, than that, John, but so happy to have you with us. This is such an important part of not just marketing, but also the sales uh, process and customer experience, the customer journey. All those pieces are so wrapped up into what it is that you're an expert in. So thanks for joining us. Like every superhero, John, I'm sure you have an origin story. Um, so tell us real quickly, just, you know, how did you get involved in this crazy industry? And what is it, what is it that Rendering House does to, to try to help builders and developers? Sure. But first of all, I just want to thank you guys for letting me come on. You know, it's unreal that just a couple of weeks ago that I heard about these podcasts and I was binge listening to you guys. And here <laughs> I am on stage with you. It's unreal. It's awesome. But um, yeah, funny. thanks for the opportunity. But, um, you know, I've been doing this since 2001, and there was a time before all this internet stuff that uh, there was just all the brick and mortar type of businesses. And that's where I came from. I was working for a Fortune 100 company in Detroit in the automotive industry. And then, you know, I heard about all this uh, high tech stuff, kind of interested in it, internet. Um, so I joined 
as a VP of finance there and actually um, was working in Silicon Valley and I raised $9 million for a high tech startup back then. And that mm. exposure cool. changed my life. I mean, um, it was eye opening the, the technology that was uh, coming there and the pace that things were changing the world. But then the dot com bust 2001 brought me back to reality. So I came back here to North Carolina where my roots are and um, my brother in law was working for architectural um, firm. He was a landscape architect and he kind of ventured out into being a, what we call back then an architectural illustrator. Still a lot of mm. things by hand. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't have a job. I've always been interested in real estate and having my own business. And my partner was kind of in the business of art and I was always kind of in the art of the business. So we kind of <laughs> joined forces there. And so then you transitioned from illustration to renderings. Exactly. I said, uh, illustration is kind of a old school name. I saw that renderings were uh, coming on board with a lot of the, um, computer modeling and stuff. And now after, you know, 15 years, that name is almost becoming a little archaic. Uh, if you have any good ideas, uh, but we're getting into like visualization technologies, uh, a lot of interactive stuff, augmented mm -hmm. virtual reality, AI, you know, you mentioned chatbots. We're, we're, there's probably more changes in our industry in the last four or five years than it has been in a decade before that. Yep. And that's because, you know, there's, it's a good market. And tech has is here. You know, back the last time we had a good market, the technology was all, you know, like you mentioned, Google just beginning to, to really dominate from an advertising perspective back then. And so now we have those two combinations and things are just going. But but take me back to what what year would you say was when, you know, the when when we say a rendering, exterior rendering of a home, when did that business really start to take off for you? I'm just curious timing wise, you know. Okay. Well, I guess it's been a long time ago because I have to say probably circa 2005 or so. Yeah. I mean, I remember I used to go to a watercolor conference and we're learning how to draw perspectives with a ruler <laughs> and then learn how to how to paint. This is in oh, Kansas. Goodness. And uh, well, fortunately, we're not in Kansas anymore. Sorry, <laughs> Kansas. <laughs> and then um, once it went to 3D, that changed the whole process. Now we can make things... Um, you know, rotate, look, making it into photorealistic looking is sped up the time. So it was around that time. But then actually the downturn with the recession I actually pushed us to the next level. While all my competitors were laying off their graphic artists mm -hmm. and all that, I said, look, the people that come out of this thing, the builders that come out of this thing are going to need a different way to do things. Um, so I decided to invest in software because I saw what happened in Silicon Valley. And I said, um, you know, these tough times are actually going to force change in this tech laggard industry. And at the same time, this is when the iPhone, iPad, some of these things are coming around and, you know, dating you a little bit, Kevin. <laughs> um, this is when I followed you on YouTube when you were the iPad guru for real estate. Oh, and um, Don't look for those videos. And I said, anyone. hey, this guy. Don't look for those. <laughs> exactly. Move I don't know if they still exist. You probably don't get the million hits like you do nowadays. But... No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but he used to espouse how, you know, um, mobile and the, and, um, and the computers and the internet was going to change uh, uh -huh. new home uh -huh. marketing. And it's true. It's, it's actually uh, accelerating the last four or five years. So, yeah, uh, once we became a software company, then we invested in interactive design. So we take it from steel renderings to interactive, which basically turns new home marketing upside down. It shifts from the builders presenting generic renditions of their plans and trying to sell them like a, almost like a 
car salesman on the lot to now the buyers design it the way they want mm-hmm. to do it. And then they present what they want to build to the builder and build this. Just like the internet brought along this openness of information of, you know, now I know what the price of a home is, or I should, I guess I should say, for those of you still gating pricing, stop. Um, but I know what the price of a home is. Now it's their expectations have been escalated so far beyond because like Will talked about several months ago, you know, now the average consumer, they're interacting with Amazon and Zappos and these other brands that are setting that expectation bar ever higher. Um, but I'm curious, do you ever, I just want to kind of peel back the curtain a little bit. When you talk to builders today, um, do you feel like it's at all similar to how they used to, you know, you were trying to sell renderings, I'm sure. And some people are saying, well, these, these, these other drawings are doing good for us now. Like, it's okay, John, thanks for the idea, but maybe it's too expensive or we're happy with what we have. You're you getting some of that same um, pushback now about AR and VR or are people just excited for what's coming? I think with uh, AR and VR, and I don't know if I have to give a definition to your audience. Yeah, um, probably a good idea. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they're pretty tech savvy, but just in case, it is a little confusing. You know, VR is virtual reality, and that's pretty much a complete immersion into a virtual environment. And that's that was something that probably, you know, really started taking off two or three years ago, and probably hasn't gone much further. I mean, they have a lot of hardware issues, and there's probably some pushback on, on the user experience. Um, but... Um, and, and but it's still used for like virtual tours and um, animations and you know even like with the Matterport experience for existing homes, there's a little bit of a resurgence with virtual reality, um, you know, 360s of uh, unbuilt homes. But the augmented reality is where you're overlaying a virtual object, in our case, a house, in a real world environment. And I think this could be a game changer. I mean, I know we're only in the year two. I mean, it's just this week that uh, Apple presented AR Kit 2 in their Worldwide Developers Conference. And also Google's doing a lot of great things as well. Um, but it's relatively new, especially in our industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're starting to see it with, you know, Ikea, Amazon, um, Wayfair. A lot of these guys are doing furnishings so that you can um, kind of see and, and place and design before you buy. But for new homes, it's it's relatively new. Well, I think we're the only ones that are actually doing this that I know of at any scale. But I think it could be a game changer in that one of the biggest problems for um, new home buyers versus an existing home is, you know, existing home, you can just drive by, you can see it, you can take pictures of it, you can walk around it, you can take videos, and you can create all this buzz. Um, new homes, not only can you not see it and experience it, but you can't even design it, which is actually one of the big advantages of buying new is to be able to design it. Mm-hmm. With some of the latest technologies with our interactive design capabilities, along with um, our AR um, technology, you can have the best of both. You can design your home and then experience. So from the design standpoint, I could say um, we can bring a lot to your home. But from the AR experience, I say we can bring your home to your lot. And at that point, um, the advantages of buying new um, surpass the existing homes because you can do everything an existing home can do from a marketing standpoint, but you can also now design it. Yeah. And and so do you find that when you talk to builders, they're like, how, okay, so how do I, how fast can I do it? Or are they still hesitant? They're, they're still um, an early adoption phase. I mean, there are some people out there that are just like totally tech geeks and they're, they're wanting to jump right into this stuff. And um, mm-hmm. frankly... Um, it's still a little premature for, for them to get into it. One, you have to have the audience 
um, get into this. Um, fortunately for like interactive design, you know, the millennials grew up on that stuff. They're used to designing everything yep. from their Starbucks coffee to their new homes and all that, but they're not even into Tennis this shoes. AR stuff yet. We don't have all the hardware and all the um, uh, ubiquitousness of, of all these uh, AR models. So mm-hmm. being that we're a tech laggard, um, I think we'll be a slow adopter, but we are developing a lot of cool things. One is the one we have to make it. So it's a, has a great feature set. There is a competitive advantage Two is that we can scale it in production because no sense building this thing if I can't produce, but three a year and, and, mm-hmm. and three is to make it a compelling value in terms of cost and rollout time. And we are starting to hit some of those things. I mean, typically a 300, uh, uh, a still rendering, 3D rendering is about $300. I think we can get a whole 360 AR house that you can custom design in color for about $600, $700. And in that price range, um, yeah, I think you could have a lot of uh, market leaders start to jump on board. Now, I say that. Don't everybody call me up yet. <laughs> but we are nah, getting close. Go ahead and call, call him. Up. He can tell you. Give him a call. And then You'll be he'll put you. on hold for about two years, but call me. Awesome. It'd be yeah. interesting to see how um, yes. how AR would affect uh, your options when buying the home, like in the future. If you could actually see, okay, the different cabinets, different trim, like all that. Yes. Every little um, detail, different colors, different hardware on the cabinet, the handles, all that. Exactly. There's um. This is when you're going to get to like a mixed reality. You may start off with AR, look around the outside, make sure it has that curb appeal and it fits right on your lot and looks good with your neighbors. And it's the right color scheme. But when you want to now go inside, um, we're developing um, like video game kind of technology where it's either collision detection or you can just basically knock on your virtual door and it takes you inside and you can take that inside experience and then um, continue designing like countertops and all that stuff. And all the while the, the price tags are updating and it's saved to your cloud and you can come back to later and you can drop that back, that big house back on your living room floor at home and continue, you know, touring it. Um, so I think it will be a comprehensive experience and it's something that now with some of the new technology you can have a shared experience. So your um, spouse or your agent or your builder can actually mm. be looking at the same thing with you and helping you design things, take pictures of it and record it, post it to Facebook, do viral marketing, all the sorts of things like that. But also um, we're hoping to use some, um, uh, I don't even know the terminology yet because it hasn't been really developed, but like like GPS uh, anchoring or um, geo oh, sure. anchoring where you actually uh-huh. place those houses in that neighborhood so and you can drive by and see that virtual house through your phone you didn't have to place it yourself it's already been locked in there Mm -hmm. and along with that is to be able to put multiple homes in there without crashing your your um (laughs) your smartphone um which we are i'm going to soon release that i think we're able to get three houses together here without um overwhelming your phone and we've basically, there's another technology behind all this stuff besides the visualization, which nobody cares about because nobody else is doing these huge homes that are outside at full scale, is that a typical home that we start out with was almost one gigabyte in size, way too large to process, way too large to download or store. We've got that down to about 20 oh, megabytes, wow. which is wow. you know, just crazy. Like, like a couple of songs. So Matterport, Real Videos, and Tours versus renderings as far as usage on on sites what do you think as as far as like the process people have a new community for them to 
do they keep everything on there? Do they keep, do they replace? Do they, cause they kind of need it all depending on where the community is. If it's a, if there's nothing being built yet, they, right. they need to show the product. Uh, but how do they interact with each other? Yes. I think the marketing will, will follow um, each builder. Some builders have a lot of spec homes. They have, um, they have model homes where they can take through with a Matterport video camera or whatever. And they, and but some builders may want to market unbuilt homes, especially if you want to try to sell uh, customization features. And so you will, but to the user, it will be a ubiquitous experience. I mean, where at some point with the photorealistic um, animations or virtual tours or whatever you want to call it, that Matterport experience of a, of a real home and a virtual experience may become more and more alike. I Definitely. mean, mm-hmm. people aren't donning VR headsets and, and AR glasses yet, but the resolution on the AR glasses are talked to be about 8K per eye which is better than the 4K that you see on your TV screen. Um, And, you know, um, everything's stereoscopic. And if you actually add, you know, virtual assistants like a Siri or or Alexa there, you could be talking to um, a virtual real estate agent, seeing everything the way you want it and see it wherever you want. That's that's very quiet. Yeah, I think they complement each other as far as you need to have have both, depending on just like you said there, if if it's not built yet. You, you need to show the product. Right. I mean, some people still have um, printed brochures with their touchscreen cell center kiosks. Mm-hmm. There's still a different audience. There's still different purposes. But as we see user engagement, we see um, you know adopt, uh, uh, adoptions and, and things, you will see that transition. But I think things are just going to go more and more virtual because of just the 24-7 availability from anywhere in the world and just that um, very private but unique experience. Well, I think right now those are two different pieces of content delivering two different solutions for the consumer. The the real, you know, in air quotes, Matterport tour, um, c- potentially right now conveys a better sense of trust, and this is what's what, like this is what the builder actually builds. Right. But then once you've and you can also get that potentially through some really great photo galleries and other other pieces as well. But once you've kind of mentally said, okay, I trust this builder will produce what they say they will, you know, their end product matches my expectations, then a slightly lower quality, you know, photorealistic, but not real rendering starts to do the job because you just kind of, you're not focused on the specific grain of the cabinet. You're focused on where the cabinets go and their dimension and their size. Exactly. But I'm going to take it even a step further um, because this, nobody's thinking about this because it hasn't been done yet. But um, versus a Matterport where you're just, um, and believe me, I, I love Matterport. So is oh, yeah, no, people. absolutely. <laughs> but um, you're only capturing uh, maybe a virtual version of where you would actually walk through and see. But everything mm-hmm. is just what you actually see. With an AR experience, you can conceptually go into the kitchen and not just design it, which you cannot do with, say, a Matterport video. Mm-hmm. But you can maybe touch on the wall and you can x-ray into the studs or to or learn information about the uh, the appliance mm-hmm. or you know ch- you know get other information that you could never get just by photography or video yeah and that's um, where the builders uh you know i know one home builder in particular who has done over 300 matterport tours and they're only in a single market so they've heavily invested in that right but then I'm not saying uh, inside joke here. 
as a home builder, you will laugh or should laugh uh, when you hear this. Um, sometimes floor plans change. Sometimes <laughs> architects, division presidents. We, our lifeblood is based on that. We get so much revision work. Hey, I'd say that's probably 20% of our business. Yeah, no, that, we don't. But sometimes they do. Not very often. Sometimes they change. Right. And so to be able to go back and adapt that rendering to now match what your current offering is versus having to train the sales team to, hey, Remember, every time you do the Matterport of the Stanford with someone in the sales office, explain to them how the bulkhead that they see in the kitchen is going to be shifted you know, over to the side because you don't want... It's all about expectation exactly. setting in sales. We actually had a national builder contact us. Um, and normally the, the rendering process starts with the sales and marketing team. Mm-hmm. The architects, they... They're out there and they actually build prototypes, at least the larger builders. Yeah, they're actually uh-huh. building larger prototypes for the people to walk through physically and you know test out things. And they have to tear the whole thing down and then do it all over again. Mm-hmm. So they're looking, hopefully down the road, um, using AR to virtually build these things where they walk through it and they can feel in the real scale of how things are. Yep. And then it, once they adjust everything, then they can actually turn that into the marketing thing. So there's a, um, a value proposition exactly. all the way from the very beginning. Yep. I believe Pulte started doing that about two years ago. Um, if I'm remembering my uh, professional builder articles correctly, I want to say it's Pulte. Right, uh, right. Pulte. They were doing some stuff with some, uh, especially with the VR stuff. I know uh, mm-hmm. when it got down to the actual audience, yep. um, you know, some people were having, uh, you know, some of that uh, seasickness effect, but yep. But yep. I think hopefully um, with some of this new technology, with especially with the AR, where you can actually place virtual with real stuff, mm-hmm. um, they can people can relate and con- and it complements each other. So you know now we're you know well into the interview here with John, and I probably should have talked about this before, but you'll notice that as we've been talking about this stuff, we're not talking about the angle for the still rendering, you know, that doesn't move. The amount right. of conversation that we're talking about in terms of being able to interact and change or adjust. And I think that's that's always been foundational to who you guys have been at Rendering House ever since you've moved away from the hand illustrations. Because when I first met you, probably in 2010? Yeah, it's about seven years ago. Yep. Yeah. Um, even then, at the time, you were just developing uh, or rolling out the, the app, iPad app. The iPad app mm-hmm. that would allow you to from a rendering at, again, a relatively reasonable cost, wink, wink, um, yep. in terms of it's built into your rendering price. You know, right. You do you an exterior rendering. price of one, basically. Yeah, you right. can change the colors. Um, but, but so when it, some, some of the people listening to this will say, that sounds really complicated. Like renderings are already a pain in my rear now because they're always changing. I have to submit the changes. And sometimes, you know, it's just not necessarily a pleasant, experience for the marketing person in charge of making sure the renderings are always accurate. Um, yeah. And then one of the nice things is, and this kind of sounds terrible, but frankly, for a small company like, like me, this is the only way we can scale. Mm-hmm. Instead of having hundreds of computer modelers and artists, and frankly, to, to supply this, you would have to outsource it overseas to do that. And some of my competitors do that. Um, we have created the technology for the internet to to render this stuff twenty four seven, around the you know uh, around the world, mm-hmm. uh, so the buyer designs it, and then um, 
there is no real, there's only a model. There's not really any uploading, downloading, or any of that work for the builders. Yeah. Um, their, their buyers become engaged, design themselves, and then they get a copy of that and also all the analytics behind it. So now you actually see the most popular colors, options, lots, price points. Yep. But in terms of the amount types. of information that I have to pass along to you, uh, you know, so if I have just a CAD file, well, the CAD file, but then in terms of the colors and siding, brick, stone, the, the colors are all we, we have all the major paint libraries of all the um, major paint vendors in North America. So on the back end, you just touch whatever palette of colors from whatever vendors and um, mm-hmm. and it immediately changes there. I mean, yeah, that's we yeah. actually just let. That's exactly it. No, when I talk to people, they're like, oh, that looks cool, but I probably have to like take small little photos of all my brick and send it to them. (laughs) Like, how does that work? I'm like, no, you just say we use Kushwa brick and they'll put it. Yes, we we already have a huge brick and stone library there. Uh, We probably already have it, but if not, you just take us to the website and tell me which five bricks you have. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, Sherwin Williams contacted us because they were getting so much business from out of nowhere. And um, it was because the builders were using their Sherwin Williams colors to um, color design their homes and their people were buying their paint. Mm. And so um, the executives at Sherwin Williams have contacted us and we've been creating an app for them. Okay. This has been a fantastic conversation, but we're running short on time. So John, this is going to be hard for you. I know. Yes, it Uh, is. We tried this with with another guest and it failed miserably. Don't be like that person. This is rapid fire questions. Short answer is trying to get as much, uh, good stuff out there as possible. So if I'm a home builder and I have not done any computer rendering, so I just have uh, illustrations right now, what is the, what's the first step would you recommend to someone based on your experience of, am I jumping to AR, VR? What, what, what is the best tool that you have out there right now to help them? Start from the bottom up. Um, let us do your elevation of floor plans. Once we model your house, that can easily convert over to any of the other higher level products. Good job, man. That was That was perfect. For coming soon communities, do you see a trend of builders asking more for amenity-based material or about the homes that are going to be built? Oh, that's a tough one. That depends on the type of um, builder they are. Um, Uh But I think the site plan actually gives them the lay of the land. Um, You should highlight your features. And if amenities are a major thing, then you should invest in um, creating that buzz. Um, mm-hmm. if it is about the plans, um, start off with maybe just a, a five house streetscape, get a flavor for it before you go all out exceeding I your budget. It. Okay. This is going to be even harder. Cause I know you pretty well at this point after <laughs> seven, eight years. Um, give us some quick examples of pricing. Now this is not pricing. Do not quote. I'm going to say this before and afterwards. Don't call or email John when you listen to this podcast in 2023 and say, I want that price that you said. It's probably going to actually be lower than them, but, but I, I don't hold <laughs> me to good. that. We're going to drive but down I prices think, because I want a great value for the builders. It's really, again, it's not, it's not, although I love John, this is just about trying to get builders to adapt and change and, and at least try to stay current on what the consumer's sure, expectations sure. Okay. are. You said before an exterior rendering, roughly 300 bucks. I say um, about 10% of the square footage. So if you say about 3000 square okay. foot house, Probably about $300 for a 3D interactive rendering, including a free app. So you're talking about uh, having the exterior color scheme capability on top of the elevation. Um, yes. Every additional elevation of that floor plan, is it another $300? If they're totally different? Yeah. Conservatively, yes. But we have 
gone down to you know half that price if they're very similar. You know, maybe okay. just some difference in materials. Perfect. And a kind of thirty second uh, animated virtual tour of kind of outside walking through some of the major areas in the inside or, or is there a cost per second or room or how does some of that pricing work? Yes. Typically an animation costs more because we have to control the videography um, mm-hmm. 360 matter ports um, where we just do a shot 360 of each room is usually cheaper, but I oh, think really? it's probably about $500 per, per room. Um, so uh-huh. if you have 10 rooms, maybe, well, I say less actually probably $3,000 for like a 10 room house. Mm-hmm. And so you can kick out still. That's rooms. interesting. You just said it, like giving someone the ability to kind of move freely throughout the 3d space is actually less expensive than making a video. Yes, because we don't have to play production yeah. um, director with yep. the um, builder. The builders are often their yeah, own lot- worst enemies <laughs> because yeah. they think they they know the best shots and best angles and best direction, best lighting and all this stuff. And actually they just trip themselves up. We shoot the shot. You're just talking about the number of revisions. Yes. The number of revisions that are required to get the video that they want is what drives the price up. Right. Makes total sense. Okay. Last question. Uh, The year 2030. Who? How, how how different, how different is all this? It's going to be a very virtual experience. People are going to be able to, um, converse with a virtual agent, if not doing it themselves, Mm -hmm. they will be so used to doing all the things that we are scared to death and have no idea about doing. It will be second nature. This is like um, what the iPad did to magazines. That whole generation there has (laughs) no comprehension actually of the old way of doing things. (laughs) We have no comprehension of, what the future is going to be. They they can't even imagine the way we're doing things mm-hmm. now. I actually think we're going to be the ones that's very backwards. And um, yeah. Oh, for sure. I remember when my daughter saw one of those real estate um, for sale books in the grocery store <laughs> and she was like, what is that? And I said, well, honey, you know, people pay money to put their houses in this publication so that people will see it. And she just scrunched her nose up and was like, that's awesome. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was like, no, that's that's really how it works. People pay money. She and of course her, you know, fascination is is YouTube. And so she's like, why don't they just put it on YouTube or like something that I could watch or control and like this is just a picture and a piece of paper in a grocery store. This is really strange. So I, I think um if I was gonna join you on that ride to twenty thirty, I would just say that, you know, our impatience is what's gonna drive all of this yeah. to adoption. Yes. We're seeing it already with Open door and Zillow and instant offers and this whole idea of like food replicators better exist by the year 2030 because no one's waiting for a microwave. To <laughs> I, I agree. Meal. It better just like 3D print pancakes. Yep. Exactly. Well, that's part of why pancakes are so great. You pour them on the griddle and in like 30 seconds you flip them over. It's not. Yeah. You, know. you need one of those 3D printer pancakes. I actually think um, <laughs> if you want to be very bold out there, and this goes beyond just the renderings part and maybe the sales and marketing part. I actually think there will almost be another, I mean, if you call it social network, around homes. We have we have Facebook, say, for our social life. It's all your friends, your family, mm-hmm. and all your common interests or whatever. You have LinkedIn for basically your career life. It has your resume. It has all your connections. But your mm-hmm. home follows you through your different life stages, where you live, what you, you know, um, 
what you're about. And all your warranties, insurance, mm-hmm. all that would be digitally stored in a cloud account related to that house. All your floor plans, all your color choices, everything is already there. So when you want to sell that, resell that house, you just flip the button and it's available now. And everything is already digitally bundled. And you will be able to quickly move around from place to place because everybody's homes will have a digital footprint. So you can quickly ascertain who mm-hmm. is moving, what is selling, and um, and basically all the vendors will come Take to the you. Tour they right know that your, when you're your, ready to your HVAC is ready for a checkup. It knows your warranty is about to expire. Mm-hmm. It knows everything about you to sell to you and through you. In four years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've even noticed um, looking at- uh, That's what Amazon's shooting for, actually. I'm sure. I actually think one of these days, Amazon is going to, um, and I don't know how far you want to go with this. Yeah. I actually think Amazon is making the play to get into the one industry that they have not gotten to the top 15 in this country, and that's real estate. And new homes is a perfect way to get in there. Um, and that's why they're gotten, they've got Alexa, they got Ring. Um Yep. They sell everything in the home. I don't think you're out of, I mean, we've talked before the, uh, the combination of an Amazon and a Zillow or a Zillow and a Facebook, yes. either one of those two things exactly. would be amazing. Um, but I, I think in some ways Zillow is already that to me anyway, like I've now lived in or built, uh, four different homes, I think, um, and they're all saved underneath my account. Uh, in Zillow, I get updates all the time about, hey, remember that house you grew up in on Smiley Road? Hey, it, the price is now 5% higher. Um, but I've already kind of made this uh, digital thumbprint of my real estate life uh, in terms of all the homes I've lived in, all the pictures that I've uploaded to those places, what they sold for. Yes, they're definitely in a perfect position to do that. Mm-hmm. I think we would like to be part of whoever wants to be part of changing the way new homes are bought and sold, not just in this country, but the world. And that's my guiding principle. It's not about the money. It's not about the cool factor or anything like that. I really want to change um, the way new homes are bought and sold. And you and me are probably just as geeky about that, isn't it? That is why we're friends, John, without a doubt. That is why exactly. We're Everybody's probably tuned out by now, actually. <laughs> uh, let me check the listener count. Yes, it's it's at, we're at we're at five. This is this is great. No, it doesn't doesn't matter. I see this big bell curve in your um, listening audience. <laughs> we're on the downside of it now. That's all right. We're going to take a break and we'll bring it right back. No, I'm just kidding. John, thanks okay. so much for uh, for joining us today. We'll definitely link to that interactive app for the uh, exterior colors and some of the other cool stuff that you've done in the show notes. But thanks again for joining us. We really appreciate it. Loved it. And we'll talk to you in 2030 to see if this thing uh, actually transpired. Sounds good. We'll see you then. Okay. Bye. Bye. Holy cow. Did we just time travel back from the year 2030? What what just happened, Andrew? That was awesome. That was a great interview. I always love talking to John. He is... Um, clearly passionate about everything he does, which is fun. It's a lot of fun yes. being around people like that. Yeah. He's, and he's been that way since I met him seven, eight years ago. I mean, he was talking about this stuff, uh, back then, just always excited to uh, take things further, go the next step. Truthfully, one of the reasons why we had him on is because the customer service that his company provides, generally speaking, is far superior, um, 
you know, the, the results are fantastic, but just as a person and, and that reflects in the way that his company runs, it's just very easy to do business with rendering house and, and Mr. Lee. So thanks again Definitely. for joining us, John. All right. Um, questions of the week. We actually have two that we got to speed through, uh, and pick our favorite comments from. No, 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 no. So first one, we bet this is back to last week. What is the worst marketing campaign or tactic you've seen another builder do? Which is a fun one. I quickly, I thought about this all week. My new one is, and I made it, I tweeted about it on the, on the Twitter, was when people do not put pro, uh, promotions on their site. So I didn't see this because it's not anywhere to be seen, but it's super common. Uh-huh. Like, and I don't know if it's a, a technical thing, like the site just doesn't You don't mean promotions it. like $5,000 off a house. You mean, what do you mean by promotions? Oh, okay, let me, yeah, let me go back. Uh, events, I guess. Events, things happening that if you were a buyer and you source, it, say you searched organically to go back to the site and you go there and you're like, oh, cool, neat. There's nothing happening. But really there's a new model home opening on Saturday. You're going to have no idea unless you were on their Facebook or you're yeah. already, a, or if you were already a lead and maybe you get an email and maybe you see that email. So it just needs to be everywhere. If you don't have a way to promote events and major things that are happening at the company on your own site, um, it's not built natively in, then again, you need to use a tool like Unbounce or um, mm-hmm. another service to have at least a, and now you're going to be surprised, some of you that I'm saying this, but a pop up or something um uh it can be a sticky bar at the bottom something that says for the two weeks before the grand opening hey grand opening coming at this neighborhood Mm -hmm. click here to go check it out but yeah you've got to make sure that um everyone who's on your site's exposed to that i think that's uh that's definitely a common marketing super common and i think the pop-ups i think you're you're 100 on board with pop-ups and the sticky bars if they're for everything but like Pop up, sign up for a newsletter to stay in touch and get the latest yes. for a builder. Like that's that's cheesy, but if it's like see you well, this weekend, okay, that's mm-hmm. the the application is is like oh that makes sense. Let's put that all over the place for the right community. There is no and sometimes people get weirded out. They think well, I don't want to show people a neighborhood that they don't have any interest in. Trust me, guys. I've said this so many times. Uh, you know the words new. New photos, new floor plans, new communities, new anything is crack cocaine or catnip, whichever analogy you prefer, to <laughs> new home shoppers. Like they want to know everything because that fear of missing out and making a decision without having all the facts and knowing all their options, mm-hmm. that no one is ever going to be upset with you if you send out an email or put a sticky bar on the bottom of your site that says new community opening in two weeks. It's right. No one. There will not be. Okay, well, let's get in with the community here. So Beth Ann uh, popped in and said, hey, I can poke fun of myself and mark this under the lessons learned list. When I first transitioned into this role as marketing manager uh, for a builder in Texas, uh, there was this idea, uh, not mine, but still, (laughs) good good honesty there, Beth, to give away a car on lease with a home that was stale. So this was an an inventory home that had sat around for a long time, and they decided that uh, the promotion, instead of an adjustment in price or or something else, they would give away a lease to, I believe it was a BMW. Yes. So a nice, mm-hmm. this is a nice car. Um, That's strange. But we, we, had some, we had some fun back and forth there. You know, back in the day, my builder gave away a smart car, if you, an option to get a smart car, which is sort of those little- Oh yeah, those um, tiny little, they're terrifying to me. Mm-hmm. That'd be terrifying. Yes. So the concept was, you know, if you want to live in the city and parking's tough in Pittsburgh, you're going to want the smart 
car to be able to get in and out of tight parking spaces. But practically speaking, if you just bought an $800,000 condo downtown, that was modern and, you know, amazing in, in every way, you don't want this that. thing looks like it's, uh, it's like giving someone a sucker. That's right. You know, thanks for, it's just, it was so bizarre. Uh, and they wanted the whole campaign, of course, built around the car, not the units, oh my. Uh, the client at the time. That was that was awesome, too. Steve. Yeah, Steve's is fun. Yeah, a weekly TV show on a local channel that no one watches. I'd imagine it's probably like 2 a.m. Yeah. in the morning. A TV show for a builder. That's interesting. I don't know if you can find this on Netflix or not, but there used to be an, a, a show called The King of Cars. Did you ever see that? No, Andrew? but I will write it down because... Oh man, it was a reality show set in a used car dealership. And it was that sounds awesome. No, it was it was amazing. But they, you know, it was amazing. Every market in the country has this this company who they were the largest used car dealership and they would run infomercials essentially on local access channels or something else, or like a half hour show where cars would drive by and people would be in gorilla suits or whatever else to try to get people to to stay tuned. Go watch that. Um but that's awesome. Yeah, Steve, that's hilarious. I, I, thanks for sharing that one. Heidi's is um, more um, to the heart, I guess, maybe. And she says, you know, there's a custom on your lot builder in our area who advertises the heck out of instant equity, promising customers 0% down and equity in the home when it's done. And she says, basically, hmm. very few people will ever actually be able to make that work for them, but they they sell that promise to get interest and commitment and then at the end of the day, she says, we get a lot of customers who come to us who have lost deposits, time and faith, but we're happy to build a home for them. Uh, so, you know, that's just, that's just oh, mean, wow. you know, taking people's money and dreams and uh, that's yeah, instant equity. Yeah. That's a strange guarantee. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Murray, it was uh, before my time, but our company had a campaign running based on the three little pig story. Obviously our house was the last house standing. That's cute. Yeah, and cute's a four-letter <laughs> word. Um, so, like that's all four-letter right. words, that that could be very bad. But you know, this one made me chuckle because I could see totally if you did that in a full-page ad in the paper back in the day, it probably came across super cheesy. Mm-hmm. I think you could have some fun with it now as like a remarketing video on Facebook or YouTube or Instagram. I could see that the right animal, maybe not a pig, maybe I don't know, mm-hmm. maybe yeah. I don't know. It, I think it has to be the right animal. <laughs> Chick Fil A. Chick Fil A has the their whole campaigns based on the cows that misspell words uh-huh. and are trying to save their life and want you to eat more chicken. And that's you know, they they do that really well. And then something along that those lines. Mr. Davidson, uh, he said one time I received a bunch of really odd X rays in the mail with a house stuck in my brain, and I thought I had brain cancer. I'm not sure. I think that goes into the genius category, um, Mike. I'm not genius. You know, I'm not sure about that one. No, that was that was of course my own mistake that we talked about uh, a couple episodes ago. Two episodes uh, ago, we asked a question of the week uh, that we didn't have time to get to because of the the holiday break and all my family was sitting in the car waiting to go on a trip. If you'll remember, so uh, let's get back to that one, which was which report or data point in Google Analytics do you find the most useful or the most confusing? And we have Kim. She says, I like to review referring websites. Interesting to see where the retargeting ads have appeared. So that's interesting. That is interesting. Yep. Uh, (laughs) Normally, referring sites would not necessarily show up underneath the banner ads. But for sure, if you have analytics set up that way, you'd be able to see where all these, you know, are people clicking on your ad from uh, from weather.com or CNN or wherever else. Um, (laughs) 
or you know russian mail order brides you just never know if you don't have you, those settings you don't know if you don't have those settings turned on to protect you from showing up on strange content you might see some other interesting things in there kim that's right and then sean said hey i still don't understand bounce rate is the goal a high number or a low number and like all good um communities you guys jumped right in to give him the answers before yeah we even got a lot there. of interaction on that um, that's cool but in essence uh andy said it the simplest, just think golf lower is better. And that's definitely true. That's what I'm doing wrong with my golf game. Yeah. Uh, except with landing pages, right? Landing pages will have a slightly different. Yes. So it's like the context, like, oh, it's 50% bounce rate. Well, where's the traffic coming from? What is the page? There's all the context in there. But yeah, the bounce would be people who don't do anything, but they yeah. could be on that, on, on that single page for 25 minutes, reading everything and going yeah. up and down. But if they don't click, there's still a bounce yep. in context. And that's why it is confusing. Yeah. Sean is a, is a real estate agent and a speaker, professional speaker um, and trainer uh, in the, um, I'll be nice because Sean, I know you're listening. Yeah, we normally, we call them used homes, but uh, you call it uh, the resale market. Um, so in your case, a lot of times you might have a high bounce rate because you're driving traffic to a particular home. And that's when you have to look at the time that they're viewing that information about that home. So like Andrew said, if they're looking at one specific listing that you have for three minutes and then your bounce rate is still 95%. That's the house's fault, not necessarily your websites, right? It's just not compelling enough for them to mm -hmm. uh, continue yep, looking yep. around. Although you could say maybe you're not making other homes easy enough to find. I was going to say if there were similar homes or homes nearby, if you were directing traffic to a, yep. a single single resale home, yeah, that'd be the way to go. But the time that a high bounce rate is fantastic is if you have a 90% bounce rate on a coming soon landing page for, for a community that's launching in a year from now, and you've got a 90% bounce rate, that means that you have a 10% conversion rate. You should, yeah. <laughs> Which would be... Which is good. Yeah, that's, that'd be happy. that's what you should expect, I'd say, right, on a coming soon community. If not, you might, if you have some type of pricing on there, there might be like a, that's a quick like, oh, People don't really like this. They're only converting at 5%. Mm -hmm. Of course, there's other factors in there. But if you have all that. Bringing it all the way around, Andrew, Boom. back to your point. If the ad if the ad shows homes from the 100s, they click on it and it starts in the 300s, you're going to have a high bounce rate. That's right. And your conversion rate. It's, it's, there's so many moving, moving things here to understand one mm -hmm. metric. That's why this is so much fun. Because it's never a yes or no answer, it seems like. Which makes it really hard talking to leadership who has... Uh, patience issues they don't want to hear a long yeah, answer just tell me is it good or is it bad good or bad tell me it it depends oh no oh, don't goodness. give me that all right well <laughs> that does it for this week um a right. little longer but hey we're making up for that short episode last week that's right and remember for published articles blog posts videos facebook lives uh, and more check out doyouconvert.com and it's also the best place you can find uh how, about how to connect with all of the team members that do you convert there are now how many names on that website? A lot. Of, a lot of, uh, six. Yeah. Six. I feel like that's not a normal number for us to say. Six. <laughs> right? Yeah. There's six Very people cool. on the team. Go there, learn more about them, connect with them, ask them questions. Uh, we all love to help and do what we can to, to elevate the conversation around everything regarding online sales and marketing. Have a fantastic weekend and we'll see you next week. See you next week.